All right, how's everybody doing? You're all looking so good. If we haven't met before, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and on behalf of the church family, we are thrilled that you are here. Could you just look a little thrilled to be here? Yes. Hey, we're joining with churches all all across the country. We're praying today, especially for our president, for the cabinet, for our Congress, for our senators. We really pray for our nation. We just don't want to stamp it on our money. Uh, We want to say, God, bless this nation. We're going to be talking about faith today, and may there be a strong faith in our nation, nation. So just before we open the scriptures, let's just, Lord, say thank you that we are in your house, and we do take a moment to pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders, both in our state and our federal, even our local governments. We ask God that you will give us righteousness. We humble ourselves. We tell you that we need you because we do need you. In Jesus' name, all of the children of God say together, amen. So we are kicking off a series called Never Give Up. And we would like you to never give up. It's a series based on Hebrews chapter 11, which is a chapter about faith. And uh, if you capture the three elements of faith that we talk about today, if you capture these three elements, it will put fuel in your faith tank, and you will never give up. There's a long list of people in Hebrews 11, and they all had something in common, which I would like you to have in your life. They never gave up. They faced opposition. They had human fears. They had adversaries, but they just never gave up. They kept on walking by faith. So this is a foundational message today that's going to be part really of the whole series. So when we talk about faith, you'll know what we're talking about because People mean different things when they say faith. Some say, well, it's, it's a belief or it's a, it's a religion. But the Bible defines what faith is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says that faith is the substance. And here are the things we're going to talk about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. These three are key words. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Substance, we'll look at it in a moment, is a Greek word, hypostasis, and it means to have a strong uh, conviction, a strong trust, a strong belief. For example, I can say, I believe that this three-legged chair that I brought from Africa in the 70s, I believe it'll hold my weight. Do you believe with me? It's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to sit. So I can believe academically. Like you heard Levi say a few moments ago, the big guy upstairs. Oh, I believe in the big guy upstairs. You can believe, but if you don't trust... Do you really believe is the question. So I, I do, I know, I know because I've sat in this for a while this weekend. Yes, yeah, still holding me after all these years. 
And it's a three-legged stool, which is an illustration of what the weekend's about. Because a three-legged stool needs three legs. I know this is deep. Just follow me on this. So, so, so if, if only two of the legs are working, I'm laying on the ground. If I only have one leg with this, I have a broom handle. Broom handle. I just, I just, it's not, it's not going to hold me up. And when we talk about faith, the three essentials, the substance, the hope, and the evidence, they all have to be present. If you just have a belief, you don't have faith. If you're, if, if, if all you have is hope, hope is not the same thing as faith. Hope is part of faith, but it's not the same thing as faith. Let's say it like this. The substance, the hypostasis we'll talk about, is the conviction of your life. It's a God-given conviction. The hope of your life is a God-given vision. And it's essential that you see life. People of faith see life differently. But they just don't believe different and see different. They act different. So here's what we're saying. I think it's in your study guide. That faith is... Uh, our definition working when we're talking about it this week, faith is a God-given conviction that is based on a God-given vision and produces God-given action. And just like my three-legged stool, I need all three. If I just have a conviction, if I just have a belief, that's not enough. If I just have hope, oh, I'm hoping it'll be okay, that's not enough. Or if I'm just work, trying to work things out myself, that's not faith. Faith is a God-given conviction. And a conviction is a deep-seated thing that is based on a God-given vision, and it produces God-given action. So let's look as a foundational message for this series, because the people in this series that we're going to talk about, the men and women of faith, all had these three things going on in their life. And you need to have all three going on in your life so that you will become, as the Bible says, an overcomer. The Bible says that faith is what overcomes this world. So if your relationships need God, faith brings God into your relationships. It helps you to have victory in your relationships. Your finances, your, your health. Faith is the victory that overcomes this world, that, that separates you from living down here and causes you to live up here. So let's look at this. Let's look at these three essential elements of faith. Let's look at the first statement that faith is based on a God-given conviction. Faith is the substance. And the word substance from the Greek language is uh, hypostasis. Substance equals the transliteration hypostasis, which is a two-part Greek word. Hupo meaning under. So this, this stage is under me. And stasis, you can almost hear what that says, the stand, your stasis, your stand that you're taking, the state that you're in. It's the state that you, like, I trust, I trust this stage enough. It's under me, and I'm taking a stand on it. It literally was part of the Greek culture that when you owned a piece of property, 
the title deed to that property was called the hypostasis. It was your confidence that that property was yours. D does anybody here own property outside of Florida? Some, yes, okay. So, so you probably have a title deed, right? That, right? I know you're busy taking notes. That's good. God will bless you. Big mansion in heaven is coming. It's, but you have a title. So, so, so if someone says, hey, I don't think that property is yours. You can go, no, 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 no. I have the title deed to that property. It is, I can't see it. You can't see it right now, right? But you know it's yours. That's the confidence that God would like you to have when it comes to things he's promised you in his, he's got a whole book full of promised promise, title deed stuff. For example, you don't have to worry that you're in God's family. You don't have to worry that heaven is your home. You can't see heaven right now, but you do have a title deed for heaven. Here's what John wrote, the friend of Jesus, wrote in the inspired scriptures. These things are written so that you can know that you have eternal life. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to be a, You can know that you have eternal life because you have a title deed to eternal life. And when the adversary comes and says, you know what, you've messed up, you say, yes, that's why I need a Savior. <laughs> You're right, I did mess up. And you know what? I have a Savior. Here's a, tight, here's a promise you have, that when the adversary comes against you, you've got a title deed that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's your title. You, you don't see it. Maybe you don't feel it right now. But you have a title deed that you are going to be an overcomer because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's a title deed. When you're praying for your family, you've got family that's far away from God, you have a title deed that says it is God's will that they be in the family of God. God is not willing that any should perish. So when you're praying for your husband, it's God's will. It's the title deed because God wants them to be in the family of God. And there makes a world of difference when you pray with conviction. It's not, it's not like going, oh, God, maybe, so maybe, maybe I'll make it. Maybe, maybe I'll overcome in this area that the enemy's been attacked. Maybe I'll make it. How I many know there's a different, when, when you are around a prayer warrior, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about my grandma-style prayer warrior. Like when you hear a prayer warrior pray, they, they pray with Conviction. It's in the name of Jesus. This child is coming into the family of God. In the name of Jesus, my husband is going to be a Christian someday. In the name of, they pray with conviction because they have that element of their faith. And when God promises something, you hold on to it no matter what. No matter what. Abraham was promised that he would have a child. And he got really old. And it happens really fast. Every year it seems to get a little faster. He got really old really fast. And there was no baby on the horizon. But the scripture says that he didn't waver. The enemy comes and says, oh, you know, 
Maybe not. But when you have conviction, you tell the enemy where to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to say it out loud, but you tell him. <laughs> so Abraham didn't waver through unbelief. He didn't say, man, I'm getting really old. No, he, he, had a con- he had a confidence. He had a conviction. He gave glory to God. He was fully convinced. You're fully convinced when you have a conviction. He was fully convinced that that promise, that baby would come, and God had promised it, and because God promised it, he was going to perform it. That's the title deed. That gets you up different in the morning. You get up different. Like if you're getting up going, oh, God. That's not faith. Oh, God, maybe faith. Oh, God is not faith. There's a difference. There's a, look, God is with me. Here's, 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 a, here's part of what the promise that God has. Here, let me just tell you. Here's something that you have. This is something God promises. He promises to always be with you. He promises to never leave you. Even now, he's with you right now, helping you to listen to me. Tuning your mind in to not my voice, but his voice. Here's what the Lord says. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's good news. That's title deed stuff. That's hypostasis. I am, I am standing on the fact today when I get out of bed tomorrow that he will be with me when I'm getting out of bed. And so what do I say? What can I, when I know that, when, when I'm convinced of that, when I have a conviction that God is always with me, when you know that, what do you say? No, it's right in the Bible. You can read it. You can say, yes, Lord, that's good. You can say, yes, Lord, that's good. Okay, but let's read it right out of the Bible. Okay, 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 let's try again. This mass confusion has entered in. You, you can say, the Lord is my helper. With conviction. So you, go, you, go, you can go, the Lord is my helper. So they just trying to teach you. There's a difference when you have a conviction. There's a difference when you are convinced. There's a difference when you know the baby is coming when you can't see the baby. There's a difference when you know I'm getting old, but God still isn't getting old. There's a difference that says I have a promise. I have a title deed, security with God. I have a pro- God is my helper. Let's all try it with, with some conviction. Much better. Tell your neighbor. Go, make a confession. Go ahead. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Go ahead. Tell your neighbor. God is my helper. Tell him. God is my helper. God is my helper. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what other people say about you behind your back. It doesn't matter what they're plotting against you at the office. What can they do to me? Nothing. Because why? Because God is my helper. That's, that's a convinced life. That's a life that's lived with conviction. And that conviction is not made up. That conviction comes from the hope that we have. It is the substance, the hypostasis, the substance, the conviction that's based upon the hope. Let's talk about the hope that we have. Faith is a God-given vision. And I want to talk about hope as a visionary activity. Hope is all about the future. Hope is not so much about today. Hope is about tomorrow. Hope says tomorrow can be better than today. Hope says, when I see tomorrow, I see tomorrow getting better than today. Faith is the substance of things 
hoped for. The list of people that we look at in Hebrews 11 saw into the future, and they all saw things getting better. There's no such thing as negative hope. What would negative hope be called? An oxymoron. Oh, man, you're sharp today, man. You, you were off last week, but you're back in spades this week. You, are, you have come back strong. You brought your kids this week. That's why. You should bring them every week. They should come with you every week. Kids, you should come every week. Come on, bring mama to church. For Father's Day, bring her. Amen. Here, no, get this. Romans, Romans says that when you, when you can see something, you don't need to hope for it. When you can see it, like I don't, have to, I don't have to hope that I'm getting home from church. I know I'm getting home from church because I drove here and I parked my car and I know where I parked my car and I know it's reliable. Now, some of you may need hope. Well, my, 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 I, I, don't, I have it. I know where it is. I know where the key is. I don't really have to hope about that. I have, I can see it. When you were driving here to church, you didn't have to hope that church would be here waiting for you. Right? Because it's here. You've seen it before. You knew it was waiting for you. Hope that is seen is not hope. So if we don't see it, that's when we need to hope for it, and we need to wait for it with perseverance. And these people in the Bible, they had a vision of the future. Look, look at it. They saw things differently. Noah, Noah saw it raining before it rained. When God said, it's going to rain, he said, yes, sir, I, I have a conviction. It's going to rain. And he was so convicted, he saw an ark before he built it. He saw what he couldn't see. So here, what, what are you seeing with what the Bible calls the inner eyes of your heart. What are you seeing that nobody else can see? What are you seeing? Noah saw the ark. Abraham, when he left Ur of the Chaldees, when he left Ur of the Chaldees, he saw the promised land. He didn't see it, but he saw it. He was seeing something he couldn't see. When Sarah didn't have a baby... She saw a baby before she had the baby. Moses saw his people not as slaves in Egypt, but he saw them coming out of slavery. He said, let my people go, Pharaoh. You may be the strongest political leader on the face of the earth, but my God is bigger than you are. Let my people go. I see them being set free. Moses saw them being free. Joshua saw Jericho falling long before it fell. He could see it. He could see it. David saw the defeat of Goliath before Goliath fell down. So what are you seeing that nobody else can see? You have to have a conviction, a God-given conviction, a title deed, and then you need to start to see things differently. Years ago, before we moved here to this place, we, we handed, I still have my card, and it, we said, let's pray over the land of hope this place, when trees were on the property. We carried the, this card around. I carried mine in my Bible. I still have it because it reminds me that when you hope for something, when you see stuff nobody else sees, eventually you can be sitting in it. You, you can. Pray for the Church of Hope's new worship center. And we drew a picture of it. And we carried the picture around. We were visioning for something. 
my, my, um, my father-in-law, Pop Sheridan, he had a vision of a young lady named Doris. And he was very shy. He was, he's an introvert, great man of God, great pastor, but an introvert. So he wasn't, he wasn't like, that's why we got along so well. So he had a friend in high school that had a picture of Doris. And uh, he said, could I buy that picture? He bought Doris's picture off his friend. Never talked to her, but he had her picture in his wallet, in his pocket. I know some of you think it's creepy. But I'm telling you, I'm glad that man had a vision because my vision came out of his vision. My vision of sweet Darla Joy came out of that union of Pop-Up and Doris who got together, and then I, you see visions come out of visions. You think about that one for a while. That's true. <laughs> so we don't have to have a vision for this church. We come here, but we need to have a vision for people that God wants to bring into the church. We need to have a vision for lives that will be transformed. We need to pray with conviction that God will bring revival to our community. Why? Because God has more people. He's not willing that they perish, and we got to be part of the solution. So we have conviction... And it changes the way we see. We talk about looking through the eyes of faith. So are you looking at your family through the eyes of faith? Are you looking at your children through the eyes of faith? Are you speaking over them through the eyes of faith? Are you looking at your business through the eyes of faith? Are you looking at your community? Are you looking at your nation through the eyes of faith? Hope changes the way you see things. As we enter into a new month, we've just rounded into June. Are you looking at June through the eyes of faith? Conviction that comes from God produces a vision of the future. But if all you have is conviction and vision, you still don't have faith. Because faith is this, you're sitting on a three-legged stool with two legs. It creaks every time. I know that's just to freak you all out. It's because it's, it's leather, and it's, it's like from Africa, and it could fall apart at any moment. No, it's solid. I've sat on this thing for 20 years. Is Tressie Hall here? Is Tressie here today? Is she Tressie? So Don, Don used to come in. He was one of our first trustees. He always used to come into my office and sit on this seat. I'd say, sit on a regular chair. He said, no, I love this seat. Yeah. He's with the Lord now, so he's watching. I'm Don, I'm talking about you. Where was I? Three legs? Faith. Yes, I'm talking about faith. That's true. That's like general. I've got to get more specific. It's a conviction of a vision that produces action, evidence. So, so if, you, if, if you were called, uh, if someone said, we want you to come to the courtroom and we want you to give evidence about Scott. I don't know why they'd call you, but if they did call you, you would come to the courtroom and you'd be sworn in and you would be on the stand and you would give evidence. And here's what your evidence would be like. I saw him do this and I heard him say that. You would be giving evidence of what my actions were. That's what evidence is. All of the people in the Hebrews 11 list took action based on the conviction of their life. 
They saw the future differently, but get this, they did something about it. And without, without that third leg, you're sitting on the ground. You can have all the belief in the world. I believe I can fly. That's not in the Bible. So don't believe that. But I do believe one day I'm going to fly. That is in the Bible. I, uh, I, I'm going to get the power of flight. I know that. I, I, that's my title deed. Well, how do I know that? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he, he ascended. And his body is going to be like our body. So I'm flying, guys. I don't know about you, but you can, I'm flying and I'm going to eat because that body ate as well. Okay, I'm way off topic. Let's come back to the third uh, aspect. Faith is God-directed, God-inspired action. It is the evidence. Because every one of these people in the Hebrews 11, when we look at them, they had all three of these things happening. They, they had opposition, yes. Sometimes they had doubts, I'm sure. Sometimes they had fears, I'm sure. But they had this in common. They never gave up. They kept returning to that conviction. They kept returning to that vision. They kept returning to a God-inspired action, the evidence of things not seen. They walked by faith when they couldn't even see the outcome. I love this little verse in 2 Corinthians, that we walk by faith, not by, not by our five senses even, not by the things that we can sense. We, we operate by, we act by faith. So when, when God downloaded into Noah, uh, Noah, I want you to build an ark. He said, well, thank God. Thank God for a vision of an ark. Thank God. Thank God he's going to protect us from the rain. But it wasn't just thanking God. What did he do? He had to pick up his hammer and saw. <laughs> Building expert now. Hey, here's something. You, you know, they built an ark in America. Did you know that? They built an ark. Do you know what state is that? What start is that ark? Where is that, where is that ark? It's in Kentucky. Has anybody been to the, have you been to it? Has anybody been to the Ark in Kentucky? Did you know this? This is a news story that just came out. There's a lawsuit because they had rain damage. It's true. You can check it out. You can Google it. It's true. It was funny. It hit me funny. It was rain damage to the Ark. Not in Noah's day. Noah's was much better than the one we built. Where was I? Hot hammering. And, and, not, and we don't know for how long... But he swung that hammer for a lot of years. And where people were going, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why? Because I've got a conviction. And I've got a vision that rain is coming. And so I'm going to do my part. Get that, please. I'm going to do my part. Everyone, please. I'm going to do my... See, God does his part. Noah couldn't send the rain, but Noah could swing a hammer. This is how the scripture works. It's partnership. It's divine partnership. So Noah swung the hammer. When Moses stood at the edge of the Red Sea, he lifted up the staff and he said, stand still and see the salvation of God. And what happened? The Red Sea opened up and then God sent angels and picked up all of the people and, and they hovered over the Red Sea and he placed them gently down on the other side. That's not the story, right? 
<laughs> Laura's going, what did I miss? I didn't read that part of the story. No. They had to do, they had to, right? What is walking by faith? <laughs> to walk by faith, you have to have some, we're talking about action, but to walk by faith, you have to have some action is the right answer. To walk by faith, you need some very good. You got it? It's, so you take your stand, your hypostasis, you take, you, you take your stand on your understanding, but then you have to have some partnership. When, um, when Lazarus rose from the dead, it was a partnership, right? The raising of the dead is the God stuff. The taking off of the grave clothes was the people stuff. When Jesus did his first miracle, the God stuff was turning the water into wine. That's God stuff, right? The people stuff was fill those vessels with water. There, there's, God has a part for you to play in this walk of faith because he delights in the relational aspect of faith. He delights in this. This is, this is God's heart. Not just a, he could have said to Noah, Noah, it's going to rain, let there be an ark. Couldn't God have done that? Couldn't God just say to your life, whatever it is you need, let it be. And you're going, oh, please, God, please, God, do that. Please, please, please. God says, no. There is a part for you to play because if you read the sixth verse, which is a great verse in Hebrews 11, it's faith that pleases God. It's when you trust him enough not to just academically say, I believe that chair can hold my weight. You can believe it all day long. But here's what his delight is. His delight is when you trust him enough to sit in it. That's his delight. That, that brings joy to his heart. Not just your academic said, oh, I believe. I believe in the big man upstairs. I believe in Jesus. It's not enough to believe in Jesus. Do you trust him? And I'm telling you guys, God has a chair for you to sit in. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't want an academic ascent. He wants you to say, I, I trust you enough that I'm going to take some action. I'm going to sit in that place. James tells us in the second chapter of James that faith without works is dead. He's bringing the same truth to us, that our faith without our our, our trust in God is dead. In the 26th verse, he says it's just like your body. If your body doesn't have a spirit, it's dead. And so faith without any action is, is not really faith. It's like a two-legged stool in a three-legged operation. It's like having two elements of the three elements of faith. I believe in God. I came to church. I prayed a prayer. Okay, have you picked up the hammer? Have you walked across the Red Sea? Walk by faith. When Joshua came to the city of Jericho, God could have said, we're going to take Jericho, walls fall down. Couldn't he have done that? Wouldn't he? That's your prayer. Oh, God, we're up against Jericho. And he says, walk. Okay, I'm walking. Walk all the way around the city. Okay, I'm walking all the way around the city. And nothing's happening. There's not one crack in the wall. The wall isn't even trembling. 
You walk a whole day. Okay, I walked around the city. Okay. Nothing happened. Good. I want you to walk some more. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And the, oh, God, this walking is, oh, man, it's, oh, God. We got to get everybody up before breakfast, and we got to get them all out there. We got to get them lined up, and okay, okay, we're going to walk. And God, we keep looking at the wall, and it looks the same. Could you send us a crack? Could you just tr move the wall a little bit? Could God, could you just, could you please, God, give us a sign? No, just keep walking. And on the seventh day, he says, walk seven times. Oh, God. The God part and the people part. The conviction, God downloads it. We don't make it up ourselves. It comes from the inner dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You take a dead body, you lift up the arm and drop it. It's, it's still not, that's not action, is it? Because that's coming from outside. A living body has a living spirit the same way you have a living deed that's inside of you, the title deed. It's inside of you by the Spirit of God. You can't push faith from the outside in. Faith has to flow from the inside out. And he says that's how it works. You just keep walking. And as you walk, you align, you align, you align your conviction with your vision and your action and your world will change. And how often, how long should you do that? You do it until the walls come down. Oh, come on. I thought day one. I thought, I, I've been praying for a week, Scott. It's been a whole week. It's been two months. Oh, here's the series, guys. Sometimes give up. Never give up. Noah didn't give up. Joshua didn't give up. Moses didn't give up. Every person has that similarity. They didn't give up. They kept walking by faith. And they had that alignment of a conviction. They could see things that nobody else could see. And they walked into their future as it was revealed by God. And God wants to change your world, and when he changes your world, he changes the world because the kingdom of God flows through people just like you, and the world is never the same. When you line up, when you line up your conviction, your vision, and your action, you are putting fuel into the tank of your faith. Those three things line up. Until then, you're shooting gasoline all over the place. Oh, I believe. I have a vision. No, when you have a conviction that comes from God, in, based on a vision that comes from God, and it takes action that's inspired by God, then fuel is going into your tank. And if your fuel gets low, you need to come back to the source, which is that three-legged stool, those three elements, and say, okay, God, I need you to give me a fresh conviction. Maybe it's been a long time since you had a vision of when I asked you that question, what's the vision you have that nobody else has? Lord, I need a fresh vision from you. And Lord, I need a new touch in my strength to keep walking by faith because that's what changes the world. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let's stand together for prayer. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come immediately. 
and stand with me here at the altar. We want to now just welcome the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, who is the world changer, who is the life changer. We have now read your scripture, and we invite the Holy Spirit to anoint word to our heart, to put life into these vessels. We pray, God, for people in this room who need a fresh conviction, a hypostasis, a fresh understanding of how you are working in their life, a fresh promise, God, that will see them through. We pray for people that need a fresh vision, a hope of tomorrow, a hope of this month, a hope of this, 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 this coming season that they're moving into, a hope of their business, a hope of their family, a hope of their love, a hope of their children, whatever it is, God, a hope that will bring them to a compelling action that will move them towards the future. And may they never, ever give up. May our hearts be open to Jesus Christ. Here's a simple prayer that welcomes Christ's presence into our lives. We pray it out loud and we pray it together. We simply say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins and I open my heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are my Savior. Help me to follow you every day of my life. To the glory of God, amen. Hallelujah. It's a good prayer, guys. Good prayer. Good prayer. So, so we'd like everyone here to be walking with Jesus by faith. These next few moments are important to us. They're prayer moments. Our prayer team is here to pray with you. Maybe you need to pray the prayer of the disciples. The disciples once came and said, Jesus, increase our faith. That's a good prayer. I pray it often. I'm praying while we're in this series that God will increase my faith individually, your faith individually, and our faith collectively for what he wants to do. I pray that we pray with more conviction. Not just, a, well, God, send, we prayed for the nation. Lord God, help, help, help us, God. This real conviction, Jesus, heal our land. Heal our land. And we pray with conviction for our community, for, for what God wants to do, not only in our church, but the churches of this area. Oh, God, send revival to this area. So it, it's like a prayer warrior in the mighty name of Jesus. So we just don't say, I, I believe it, but we actually move into the seat that God has for us. So here's what the next few moments, I'm going to pray a blessing. And our prayer team is going to be here to pray with you and for you, whatever you need. There's communion tables on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. If you'd like to receive Holy Communion, the bread of the Lord and the cup of the Lord, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion or prayer, just a friend of Jesus. And we're going to pray for you. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. Please come some more. We know that God has amazing things for your life, and we want to see we want to see you reach your full potential in God. And let me just tell you, no one in this room, including the guy standing here talking into the microphone, has reached their full potential in God yet. But we want to press towards that. And how do we do that? By walking by faith, by not giving up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So here's a prayer. I'm going to pray a blessing, and after that, the worship team will just begin to lead us. People will come for prayer. People will come for communion. People will worship. People will go with the grace of God. If you have been a guest here, please, if you have never stopped by the VIP room, please do that. Back on the left-hand side, we want to give you some gifts, greet you, just acknowledge. 
I met a beautiful young lady there last night. I've been praying for her ever since I met her. And uh, just love for the grace of God to continue to work in your life. Here's our prayer. May the Lord um, bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And he's able. He's, he never, he, he's with you. He pro- I'm with you. So you can say in your heart, the Lord is my helper. Why do I need to be afraid of what anyone is plotting or saying? The Lord is my helper. I pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in God so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for our prayer team. May there be a sweet anointing of the Holy Spirit as they pray for people. May we welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What you, you can do in one moment, what we can't do in a lifetime. And we welcome those kinds of prayers. Thank you for the bread of Christ and the cup of Christ, the Holy Communion, that we remember that Jesus died for us, went into the tomb and rose from the dead so he would be present with us now. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. All of God's people say together, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Good to be together. We love you guys so much. And we invite you, come forward. Come forward for prayer. Come forward for communion worship team. Let's just turn our attention towards the Lord.